and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, I'm, uh, this is probably the earliest we've actually been able to hit record in a long time. I know. Because I, well, A, I got here earlier, but also we didn't, we spent about 20 minutes talking about movies. We talk about movies and stuff off yeah. mic <laughs> to warm up for talking about movies on mic. Yeah. And, but normally it's more like 45 yeah, just catching up on, and that's the thing is, I got you know, I still have more stuff to tell you. I, you know, yeah, I just I'll have to wait for in between this and the next one. <sighs> yeah, we're doing two this week. That's yeah. why we're in, why we're in such As a rush. Promised. But you know, when I do previously on, I show up at Sean's place within ten minutes. We are into the episode. Well, because you're talking about everything you've seen. <laughs> no, we don't. Show. We don't do that anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's how I'm feeling. How are you? I'm doing all right. Okay. I um. Now, you had something you wanted to talk about. I did have something I wanted to talk about. I don't like that at all. Um, but I feel like it'll transition so well that maybe we should go ahead and, and uh, talk about how wonderful Tweaked is first. Oh, you wanted to talk about this website, tweakedaudio.com? That's the one. Okay, yeah. Um, they're great. They make great uh, professional quality earbuds in, an, in a variety of styles and colors. And um, they're very affordable. And what's even more affordable is if you go in through the tweakedaudio.com slash pretension portal. That's right. Uh, It'll uh, transport you to a a wondrous place of uh, great audio and uh, cheaper prices. Big savings. Big savings. Uh, One third off uh, at the tweakedaudio.com slash pretension portal. And, of course, free shipping as always. So definitely check out tweakedaudio.com for, uh, you know, like I said, professional level earbuds in a variety of styles and colors free shipping free shipping one third off so okay okay well now that we you know what part of me feels like we can end the episode there because that's <laughs> that's the meat of the episode we've done what we came here to do Ex- right but you know as long as we're here uh-huh i might as well tell you this you get something on something you want to get off your chest i do um, I don't know if I'd go that I, far. I don't know what I, you're going to say, so I don't know if I'm characterizing it completely inappropriately. I kind of hope I am. I think you are. Um, <laughs> I kind of hope it's not a big deal at all. I have got, and I don't know if you've seen this. I have seen it because many, many people have emailed it to me. Oh, okay. okay. People don't email me things. All right. Oh, by the way, people, this was months ago, and I keep forgetting to mention it. Okay. Uh, I talked about like, hey, I, I was joking around. Like other podcasts, I hear them like, you know, Criterion Cast or Forty Year Old Boy. Like people just send them stuff in the mail. I was mm-hmm. like, we got an address on the website. Like, no one sends us anything. And this guy, uh, and I, I keep because I keep forgetting. I don't have the stuff with me. It's out in the car. Mm-hmm. But he sent us keychains from Morocco. Hey, all right, yeah, that's great. It was really nice of him. And maybe next week I will remember to bring his name in here because I have it in the car. So I want to thank him. I want to think his name, think him by his name, <laughs> but uh, uh, it was literally like, this was like two months ago, and I keep forgetting oh, to man. mention it, um, and to give you a keychain. Um, All right, keychain. <laughs> so uh, thank you to that guy, and I will try to remember your name next week, and yeah, if you want to go to our website and look at what our P.O. box is, you could send us something and maybe get thanked in a few months. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's- if, it, if it became more of a regular thing, I'd get better at, th- at the thank yous. Okay. Yeah, indeed. Yes, it'd be, yeah. it would become uh, secondhand. So, um, Sorry, so what did you want to get off your chest? All right. <clears throat> so I have spoken about Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight. 
Uh-huh. And that while I enjoy it, and while I think it is good, I have a hard time totally buying it. Um, I, I can... We're kind of forbidden from using these terms now based on some of the emails that I got. I can see the strings. Uh-huh. Um, I can see the... the the uh, the performer, and I don't necessarily mean the performer of the Joker. I mean the performer of Heath Ledger deciding now is when I will lick my lips like an animal. Now is when I will go deeper with the voice. Now is where I will go higher with the voice. Like, And that's the thing is I don't fault him for that because the Joker can be, as a character, can be one of two things or both. He can be a, you know, contradictory. He's either pure instinct, which means while he does, he's able to you know, talk about what he believes and what he wants to accomplish. He, he is just pure, just completely uninhibited Mm -hmm. or he is the performer, you know, who does, you know, he wears a very specific kind of thing. He paints his face. He does the whole deal there. Um, and so if, if it's that, then if he's so concerned with how he looks and how he comes across, then yes, it's possible that he would, uh, try to, you know, he wouldn't be totally genuine in uh, how he comes across as far as... Yeah. Affected, one could say. Okay. Now, so, for the record, I disagree about Heath Ledger's Right. I'm very much alone on this. <laughs> uh, except for Dave Amiot, a friend of the show Dave Amiot, oh, yeah. who's, who's with me. So, um, so I, basically what I have said is, you know, nobody has ever sounded like this. And then somebody found this video of a young, like, 29-year-old Tom Waits... <laughs> on on an Australian talk show in which he is Tom Waits at this point super he's super skinny uh-huh. um and g- like gangly not unlike the Joker and the way he like kind of contorts himself as he's like getting comfortable in the chair uh and his voice is also a very specific cuz now we think of him as like the gravelly you know kind of thing which is a term I don't think he cares for I'm sorry but um what, what do you mean he doesn't care for it well, I don't think he That's likes what it to. Is. It's what it is, but I think like any anytime somebody says like they'll say like gravelly voiced Tom Waits, and it's just like you know I do other things, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. It's, That's if he doesn't want to be referred to as gravelly voiced, then he should stop singing that way. But sometimes he'll sing with a falsetto. Sometimes he'll sing. Does with, he still? with a rasp? I haven't listened to a lot of the newer stuff, but it seems like it's more when, when he does more of the theatrical stuff. It'll be kind of the higher uh, falsetto kind of thing. But um, but you'll still get it from time to time. Okay. Um, but anyway, but this was he's young here. Yeah. So still, you know, smoking like a chimney, living and out of the uh, Tropicana Motel. No question about it. Yeah. And he is on his way to that voice, but he's not there quite yet. He can do it in his singing, but he's not quite there in how he speaks. And so he uh, so he does kind of have a surprisingly joker-like voice and a joker-like cadence and even the way he carries himself and so people know that i love tom waits and but they also know how much i think that performance is affected and they're like well clearly you know somebody is like this and i'll say this let me well let me say something oh wait do you want to say i might i might say it first (laughs) okay okay i may be a huge fan of tom waits Uh that does not mean especially when he was 29 okay, yeah. that he is not affected that's what i was going to okay, say okay that yeah. he is not affecting a persona all right especially on that talk show he's 
you know, what talk show was this? It was this Australian talk show. Oh. I don't, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but I mean, people clearly were getting a kick out of it. And he was, there's no question that he was sort of playing a character type, you know, like he, he would put like a cigarette in his mouth and then like feel all over his body for matches and then, and like not be focusing on what the interview is on what the interviewer is asking. Uh-huh. And, and then the interviewer lights his cigarette for him but it, that seems like a choice. And that's the uh-huh. thing. I think as time went on, I think, frankly, I think when Tom Waits got married to Kathleen Brennan, um, I think she kind of said, like, you can just be you. Uh-huh. It's perfectly. You're weird enough. You don't need to put this thing on. And so, so, he's, so while he's still kind of strange, I think he's much more genuine now. And so just because I like his music and I even liked it, I like his music from that era, that doesn't mean that I can't look at what, what he's doing and be like, man. I don't enjoy watching this. Uh-huh. This guy bothers me. Like, I'd much rather have him go over to a piano and sing one of the songs from that era that I like. But this is not. This is a 29 year old who's very, very image conscious. You know, and that's it's weird to think of that because that's how old we are. But he's clearly trying to put himself out there as mm-hmm. a certain thing. And so, yes, for those that. Uh, because every once in a while there's a slight tone of like, well, well, Tyler. And it's just like, <laughs> easy there, sport. You think I'm a little too biased in favor of Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah. But I am able to, I was able to uh, get past that. You mentioned bias there. Did I? Yeah, that reminded me of something that I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Which was, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. <laughs> uh, and now I'm going to turn it over to you because this was your idea. Oh, about three years ago? <laughs> yeah, roughly. <laughs> no, it was, it's probably been about three months. Uh, and for whatever reason, just having guests on the show, doing and Comic-Con, Comic-Con and all yeah. that, we just became busy doing other things. Uh, and this came out of an article, uh, a review that I read of a movie I haven't seen and I'm not that interested in. Uh, and the, the movie is called For Greater Glory. It's got Andy Garcia and uh, Peter O'Toole in what I guess is his last role. He has uh, announced his retirement, as mm-hmm. has uh, Bob Hoskins, I believe. Yeah, for un- unfortunately because he's, he's yeah. ill. Uh, he's he's uh, an part, unsung part actor, by the way. Parkinson's. Bob Hoskins? Yeah. Not by us. Not by us. We're singing about him all the time. Absolutely. Mona Lisa. <laughs> Mona Lisa. Because he's in Mona Lisa. Um, of course, uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is what yeah. I first knew him from. Uh, Felicia Last Journey, Orders. the Adam McGoyan film. Do you know that? I haven't seen it, but I like oh. Adam McGoyan. Yeah. Um, yeah, Last Orders, uh, the recent uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, okay. You know what he's great in? What's that? Unleashed. Oh, I, n- I never saw that. I oh, know, I know that you is, like it. Yeah. Oh, that is you all over. Yeah. The way, okay. Once like Upon something. a Time in Anatolia is for me what Unleashed is for you. You will love the hell out of that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, but yeah. By, by the way, before we started recording, I was uh, telling Tyler that he should watch Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, uh, the Turkish film, because it's uh, everything he looks for in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's uh, American? <laughs> no. Every, oh, everything you lost that. me. I'm sorry. But, that is the key. It is Turkish. Um, but anyway, so, uh, sorry, the tangent immediately, but, uh, so this movie for greater glory, I was reading Roger Ebert's review of it and I don't really know why I hadn't seen it. I wasn't really that interested in seeing it. Um, you know what it was? I think I had read on a website somewhere, possibly a conservative website, possibly a Christian website that this is a movie that, uh, Christians or conservatives should see. And part of me is like, well, that's never gotten me into the theater before. (laughs) So, okay. Um, 
And so I, and I looked it up and it got a bad review from uh, The Onion and it got uh, like two and a half stars from Roger Ebert. But his review struck me in such a way that like my, my mind just went like firing off. It was, I first put it to you as like possibly discussing it at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said, you, I think probably wisely said that's a whole episode and we decided to label it bias, uh, yeah. because I didn't know how else to put it. So we'll put it. So I have a, f- a couple paragraphs from Ebert's review. There are paragraphs in between here. So this is, I'm not quoting completely, uh, his review, but I wanted to make sure that I quoted enough of it so that no one could accuse me of taking him out of context. So, um, there's going to be some names in here that I'm going to skip because I don't know how to pronounce them. Oh, so that's unfortunate. My, uh, I'm not far enough in my Rosetta it's, Stone Spanish. It's Andy Garcia. 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 Okay, fair that's enough. That's how you say it. All right. Well, we just lost some South American listeners there. Um, or Central. Where's he from? I don't know. Is I'm going to say he's Cuban. All I right. feel like he's Cuban. <laughs> but I could be completely wrong. So, um, Okay. So I'm going to read this real quick. And uh, David, you've not, I, I told you about this, but you've not read the review, right? No. Okay. Listen to this and see what you think. Okay. Again, not the full review. In the years 1926 through 1929, Mexico fought a war over the freedom of Roman Catholics to worship. As a result of the Mexican Revolution, the Constitution of 1917 stripped great power from the church along with half of its enormous land holdings. But it was not until the regime of President... Plutarco Elias Caius, sorry everybody, who began to strictly enforce the Constitution, that an uprising ensued. Supporters of the Catholic Church, who called themselves who called themselves Cristeros, began a campaign against federal troops and had surprising success after they fi- after they hired General Enrique Gorostieta Vearde to lead their forces. Yeah, see that's you lose the flow when I start pronouncing this stuff. <laughs> Uh, so I'm skipping a couple paragraphs. That was just for plot purposes. Mm-hmm. It is well made, yes, but has such a pro-Catholic tunnel vision, I began to question its view of events. One important subplot involves a 12-year-old boy choosing to die for his faith. Of course, the federal troops who shot him were monsters, but the film seems to approve of his decision and includes him approvingly in a long list of Cristeros who have achieved sainthood or uh, beatification after their deaths in the war. And I believe this is the last paragraph. If it had not hewn so single-mindedly to the Catholic view and included all religions under the banner of religious liberty, I believe it would have been more effective. If your religion doesn't respect the rights of other religions, it is lacking something. Okay. Now, I don't want to allow a lot of silence for you to digest it. Yeah. And admittedly, I there's stuff that has to do with this that I left out because I just didn't want I didn't want it to just to, you know, I didn't want to repeat myself and I didn't want to read the whole review. But I just wonder what he means by what is it like if your religion doesn't allow for the rights doesn't respect the rights of other religions is lacking something. Okay. Okay. Now that's that actually I didn't even remember that statement until I until I uh, looked at it just now. Um, what I was focusing on, because th- there are other moments in the review where he talks about that other religions are not meant. We don't see the effect of the government on the other religions, only the Catholics. And now I've read Ebert's 
blog and like his personal blog where he talks about his life and his mm-hmm. upbringing and his and his current beliefs. And I know that he was raised Catholic. I believe he went to Catholic school and had not the best experience with his teachers. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, oh, hang on, that could mean one of two things. It means punishment, like uh, smacked with rulers and stuff. Right, right. So. Um, and I know that he, he he does not go very easy on the Catholic Church, and fair enough. I'm not for giving any institution a pass. But he seems to have brought that so much into this movie that he seems to not particularly... It's... Okay. In the movie, Catholics are being stripped of their rights. Again, I haven't seen it based entirely on his review and, and other reviews. Catholics are being stripped of their rights and then being rather brutally hurt and killed when they protest. It seems strange to me that Roger Ebert would watch that and then say, and? (laughs) Which seems to be what he's saying. He's just like, well, what about these other people? Like, well, isn't this enough? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure sure seeing... uh, you know, Mexican Buddhists in the 1920s, all, I don't know, 12 of them. I'm sure that would be interesting. But at the same time, it is telling the story of this group of people. And so, and frankly, I mean, it could, what you could, you could say that it's a film about one institution fighting another, the institution of the Catholic church in Mexico versus the institution of the government. And that would be an, and taking it from that point of view sounds actually more interesting to me than the one they did. But, um, but it just seems kind of strange to me that he he did not ca- seem to care that much and would have cared more if they had moved away from the Catholics a little bit, even though that's clearly the story being told. Yeah, that's that seems odd. I mean, I not not being as familiar with his his blog as you are, I don't think I read as much into it because I don't know about his mm-hmm. his past. But I, it still does seem. Odd, especially coming from Roger Ebert, who is on record as saying that you should, you know, review the movie that's in front of you, not the movie that you wish right. had been made or something. And I know that's a thin uh, uh, line to walk, but uh, that does seem bizarre and uncharacteristic for Roger Ebert. It is uncharacteristic. I will go. To, I will definitely say that, and which is why it caught my attention. And then it just it got me thinking about a lot of things. It got me thinking about my own religious, uh, political, and, you know, my views along with like my life experience and just what that does. You know, you and I talk about the role of subjectivity when we talk about movies and when we go into movies and that that's not something that needs to be shunned. That, yeah. that you can try to be objective, but you're never going to be. So since you're never going to be, why, why really push it? Why not recognize that, yeah, I'm a person and I've had these experiences and within that, this is the effect that that movie had on me. Other people will have different experiences and they will interpret the film differently. And that's kind of part of what makes it art. Yeah. You know, if it were something that could be looked at as, you know, you know, it's not like a a, a toaster. Does this toaster work? If I set it on medium, (laughs) does it toast my toast to medium, you know? And then someone's like, yes, medium, but what about, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, what is it for toast? Dark? Yeah, yeah, dark, yeah, dark. I guess. Um, but anyway, you're not you're not just watching the the role of a critic is not just to watch the movie to make sure that it works. And it's not quality control in that right. sense. Right. You are interpreting yeah. uh, as art, and you and it's sort of almost your duty to interpret it based on you know your own view yeah. of the world because uh, it was it was made with a specific view of the world if it's good. 
And so I was trying to con- reckon. Convoluted. It's, I know it, what make, I meant. it makes sense to me, All and right. I think the listeners understand as well. They're smart. They got it. Okay. Um, so I tried to take this uh, this opinion that you and I hold, and I think various others do as well. I tried to take that and reconcile that with my I, I don't know, just kind of this general unease that I had when reading this article. And so I started asking the question of myself, like, is it possible to push subjectivity too far, to put too much into what you bring to it? Anything you want to bring, that's fine. But like to the point where literally like, well, I want to see the other ones represents like, is it necessary for the story being told? I mean, it might be necessary for you, but that might be requiring the film to be more than it was ever going to be. That is reviewing the movie that you wish were there rather than one that is. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, it seems like the instinct towards being a a critic um, means that you are necessarily okay with, you know, uh, uh, judging the movie on its own terms. You know, you're going and you're submitting to the movie in in a way. And it sounds like what, what Ebert is doing there is... I don't know. He's revising the treatment for the movie. Like it's like yeah. It it's, has the qual. It has uh, having done a fair amount of script coverage myself. It has the quality of script of script coverage there. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the impulse of someone who would want to make a movie. And maybe I mean Ebert's written at least one movie before uh, Beyond yeah. the Valley of the Dolls, uh, which is a cool movie. Um, maybe he should go and write some. Uh, Horribly anti-Catholic uh, movie. I'd watch it. I know you would, and yeah, I probably would too. But um, and so it was. It was in the spirit of that because I feel like the 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 dark side. One could say the dark side of subjectivity is what we are calling bias. Yes, it's when you might be you know bias in favor of a movie that maybe isn't that good. You might be f- bias against a movie that is pretty good, but for whatever reason you you were never going to like it. You know, and so yeah. So uh, we, should, we we've been we've been hard on Roger Ebert here. Do you want me to? I could address it and be like, "Hey, stop hitting that thing." <laughs> oh wait, what is? Uh, let's just talk through this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Tyler is reacting to some sort of noise. My neighbor is. So we have uh, doors and then like metal screens. Yeah. Uh, outside the doors and uh, a uh, what I assume is a child is pounding on the metal screen. Yeah, but screen. the thing is, I'm assuming that the listener is not hearing that. I know, but it's but I'm hearing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Okay, anyway. Sorry, everybody. All right. We've been hard on Roger Ebert here. What you kind of do is turn turn it around on ourselves and look at our own bias. Right. Right? Yes. That's that's what, what we Yeah, I want. don't want to. I don't want to judge Roger Ebert because, like we said, this is unusual for him. This, like, this is the exception that proves the rule of him being subjective but never pushing it too far. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, I, I certainly have things, uh, I think, because of this sort of, um, well, Catholic, you know, um, uh, and, uh, you know, working class Catholic. I mean, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a rough financial upbringing mm-hmm. it was provided for my dad was a mechanic and my mom was a nurse it's pretty yeah working class jobs um and so that maybe i yeah, i got that midwestern uh you know catholic working class thing and you know um 
a few generations down the immigrant immigrant thing from the Irish and German ancestors of like, uh, you know, just do the work, just, mm-hmm. just shut up, stop whining and just do the work. And sometimes there are movies where I feel like if characters are a little too maybe inside themselves or a little mopey, mm-hmm. um, that, it, as melancholy as I can be, mm-hmm. uh, I have trouble with that. You know, say uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a movie that would be good anyway, and I can't think of one. But uh, like Zach Braff's character in Garden State, uh, I kind of just want him to like shut up and like just go about your life, just grow up and contribute to society, mm-hmm. and shut up and stop <laughs> whining and stop being a dick to your dad because you're not. 13 anymore you know you're not even in high school like even with like cameron ferris bullish day off i understand he's mm. a high schooler i was yeah. maybe kind of like that but with uh zach braff's character in in garden state whose name i, I forget because i didn't yeah i but you know i don't have an endless brain i've got there's a certain amount of stuff i can fit in there and some stuff i'm just not going to make room for and <laughs> yeah. one of those things is <laughs> zach braff's character zach braff's name. character's name yeah in garden state um uh, so I, I think that's that's maybe a, a, a bias that I have because I um, didn't grow I, I, I didn't grow up in the kind of um, waspish waspish stereotype of a family like the Ice Storm where they don't talk about anything right. you know uh, but I, it, it's a different sort of not talking about your feelings we could be mm-hmm. loud people but we you, didn't, we didn't dwell. Yeah, I knew your family uh, relatively well, uh-huh. and uh, well, they're not—they're still around, most of them. Most of them, yeah. <laughs> the, the majority uh, made it through. Yeah, but uh, I would say blustery uh-huh. is a way to describe because I knew your dad, and not so much your mom, but like I knew you, and I knew your your brothers and your sister, and just there seemed to be a, a bluster to to you guys, not in like a not in like a Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh sense. No, but, but just, it is. Uh, yeah, it is definitely like a. Um, uh, there's a certain ball busting or like, um, uh, you know, I, it's not the kind of family where a lot of us got like hugged and said like, they're there, it'll be all right. It was right. like, you know, tough love, you know, like, yeah. like pick yourself up and start over again. And so, you know, there are, yeah. there are downsides to that, I guess. Um, but, uh, because of that, I definitely have trouble dealing with some characters who are, to mopey uh, you know what i just rewatched um the royal tenenbaums forced myself to rewatch it because yeah. i've been told by so many people that it's so much better than i remember it being what did david think you can listen to west anthony read all about yes. it um but i will say i i liked it more than i used to but i still have uh problems with the characters especially the Margot, richie and Chaz characters. Well, Chaz, I'm more okay with that. Like, you know, he lost his wife, and now he's a single father. Yeah, and stuff. you're right. You're I'm right. more okay with that. Yeah, maybe maybe Richie is the the biggest one to me that that is hard for me to wrap my head around because it's like, yeah, he got his heart broken. It happens to I, I've had my heart broken, and yeah. I I moved the fuck on. And maybe, like, you know, my uh, my last relationship was mm-hmm. a pretty intense one it sure uh, was and um uh it was it was pretty serious and it uh, uh and it ended not by my hand right uh and i would say 
I mean, you you knew me. Mm-hmm. To know me, to have seen me. Was to love you. No, I'm saying, just based on my reaction, what do you say, two, three weeks before I was kind of over it, like, or at least outwardly over it? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, if that. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm fully admitting that might not be entirely healthy, but because <laughs> of that, because that's the way that I am, mm-hmm. um... Uh, I sometimes have a lack of patience with other characters who spend too long uh, fixating on things. Well, and that seems interesting to me because, uh, you know, uh, while we do try to avoid terms like mumblecore, it is a useful phrase to use because people know what I mean when I say it. Um, And uh, but one of the one of the aspects of that genre or whatever you want to call it um, is uh, melancholy 20-somethings who are trying to figure out where they are, where they fit in this life, but in the meantime, like, probably hating themselves a little bit for whatever reason, um, and just... No, I'm okay with, I think, the standard, uh, in a very broad sense, the standard mobile character is a little narcissistic, maybe even solipsistic. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can deal with, I think... <laughs> I think I, I recognize those traits. Okay, but um, it's the pouty kind of thing. Yeah, that gets the, the, you. the pouty thing that to me, I, I think, in some characters, like with Richie in Royal Tenenbaums, is supposed to be like touching or heartbreaking. But to me, seems almost like exhibitionism. Like he's just mm. trying to get people to feel sorry for him by being so mopey all the time. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely a bias that yeah makes it hard for me to okay. enjoy certain movies. I think I have been hesitant to revisit Harold and Maud. Okay. Because I'm afraid that I'm going to be annoyed with Harold. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, so I was, uh, last year I was on the Mental Illness Happy Hour, Paul Gilmartin's podcast. I was yeah. early in the run, but I was a couple episodes after Adam Carolla. Oh. And what fascinates me, because I, I listened to the first few episodes, um, and then I'll, I'll check in every once in a while, but... Uh, Adam Carolla's is very interesting because... You, by the way, have still rated the only mention of Battleship Retention on the AV Club's dumb pod mass. Thing. Yeah, and incidentally, they didn't say podcast. They said movie review site. Yeah. I and guess it's just so. like, you can't even give me that? <laughs> Come on. And now, when I say pod mass is dumb, I'm going to say that's 70 75% because they don't review Battleship Retention. But there is... Uh, 25% Let's, of that, I, I do think that, that is a flawed feature how's about this and you know what they've they okay the flaw comes with not merely that they don't review us but that they don't that they are not structured in such a way as to review us they won't review stuff that is not comedy they will they have introduced a new outliers thing yeah and i like or uh and and i like that i think now they have they have non-comedy they have like uh stuff you should know podcasts and i guess so but by and large, it's comedy, and I think they've they've repackaged it yeah. to be comedy podcasts since they are by by far the most successful podcast. So you know who might who might have complained, but uh, so anyway, uh, so I was listening to that Adam Carolla episode, and just and he kind of sorry more about more about Podmas, okay? Because I wanted because you're right. It's not just that um, they've never that they don't mention us, right? It's that they uh, also, there's never been a mention of our good friends over at the Slash Filmcast. That's who true. are, certainly I think have the numbers to be paid attention to. Yeah, they're, but, they're a, huge, a huge show. And they've had, uh, you know, they've had like James Cameron on and Ryan yeah. Johnson and, you know, Tobo and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so. 
and yeah. uh, and Trent Reznor. Um, I didn't know that. Good for them. It, was, it wasn't them. It was uh, Dave on his own doing an interview with Trent Reznor about the social network oh, okay. score. And it was maybe the best thing that has ever been in the Slash Filmcast feed. You should definitely, everyone should go listen to it. it was, okay. This was two years ago now. But uh, I, I, I've, I've told Dave since then he needs to just have a series of one-off interviews with composers because he talks about music, like film music, very well. And interesting. It's, it's a fantastic interview. That's interesting. Anyway, I should listen to that. Um, yeah, so Podmas doesn't even pay attention to slash film who, there are who no, deserve it. There are no good movie review, uh, I'm sorry, podcast review sites out there. There, there are some that like uh, Bill's Movie Emporium, uh, which he, uh, he reviews movie podcasts specifically. Uh, you know, edgy podcast reviews, I think they stopped putting stuff out there. Like, just for some reason, I think people just... I think they, they're like, I'm going to review... I'm going to start reviewing podcasts. And then they see just the sheer number of podcasts. They're like, I'm never doing this ever again. Because most of them are bad. Well, I That think includes a few episodes of this one. Maybe yeah. maybe this episode. Yeah, there's something to be said for the Podmas approach in that they treat it like they do their TV reviews, which yeah. they don't review this podcast once. Yeah. They review episodes. I, yeah. do, I do actually like that. Yeah, it's a good approach. So maybe, yeah, there should be a movie website that just, like, does the pod, pod mass thing just for movie reviews and gives us, gives us all letter grades every week. <laughs> so you're not going to be happy until we are reviewed on a regular basis. Is that what you're talking about? I think that would be uh, – no, I, I'm not saying us in particular, but if there were, there were, if there were a Podmas-style approach to us and Slash Film and Operation Kino and Criterion Cast and Film Spotting and Movie BS and Rope of Silicon and uh, just all the ones that I Did listen to. Did you say to, Golden Briefcase already? I, I, I missed the Golden Briefcase. Yeah, Golden Briefcase okay. is definitely one. Uh, if there were a website doing what Podmas does for comedy podcasts, for the, all those podcasts that I just named and, and some more, I would read it. Uh, on the reg. Yeah, but that one, if we weren't a part of it, you would be furious. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we deserve to be a part of it. <laughs> okay, we need to stop doing this. Um, <laughs> by which I mean the whole podcast. Okay? We, we, enough navel-gazing. I'm talking about Adam Carolla. Um, oh, okay, yes. So the reason that I got into it was because uh, it was interesting to hear, and we did, we're, we'll move away from, the, from this and move on to other types of bias we have. Um, but yeah, his attitude was in a show in which people talk very plainly about like, hey, this is what I've used to cope with my depression or my uh, various mental illnesses or abuse that I've suffered in the past. Corolla, basically, his whole attitude is just like, just shut up and get it done. You know, like, for like, just work your way past it, which is not necessarily, by the way, the worst approach of just, hey, life is rough. You just got to keep on keeping on. But at the same time, like, man, that sure is cut and dry. Yeah. And, like, there are some people that might not be chemically able to do that. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know what, like, an Adam Carolla or, or something who I think is similar to you, but I think more extreme, maybe more extreme, yeah, I, uh, uh, how he would approach a movie like Garden State. To be clear, I mean, um, I'm not denying my emotions and, and my and my hang ups, right. I'm in therapy and I yeah. I deal with it in a way that it's not it comes back to that exhibition thing. I deal with it in a way that I don't bring other people down or make them miserable miserable. At least I aim to to not be a burden, an emotional burden on other people too much more See than what I, I do to. I I do more than one lesson. 
and then I just put the burden on the listener. So oh, that's fine because they are voluntarily. They sure are. You know, like yeah, I was thinking about that. Like um, sometimes I say things on Twitter that are like, you know, I'll express an opinion of a movie like a World Center Bombs or Inception or something. You know, that is um, very negative, and I know that a lot of movie fans and uh, people who follow me mm-hmm. disagree with me. And I think, like, and also sometimes I get annoyed at something other people say, and I think, like, oh, am I being a troll or is that person a troll? But you know what? No. I don't think it's possible to be a troll on your own Twitter feed. People are choosing. You're, you're putting out people are choosing to come to you. They can always leave. It's if you're oh, yeah. going okay. into someone else's, like, message board or commenting yes, I would on say that, so. that's being That's being a troll. So I had to, that was something I had to... So would you say, yeah, like, the sure. Twitter feed is your bridge, and if people cross it, you're, you're, you're going to come out from underneath there, and you're going to eat them? Like a troll? Uh, no, I'm saying that I'm not a troll at all. Oh, okay. I'm saying, because uh, with a troll, it's not his bridge. It's, okay. a, it's a, bri- a commonly used bridge that he's going and hanging out under and, like, making things unpleasant public for bridge. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know what? This, my Twitter feed is my driveway. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not a bridge at all. It's yeah. my driveway. And like nobody, nobody's in, arguing with, nobody's arguing with the guy who says, stay the hell off my lawn. Nobody's arguing that he doesn't have the right to say that. Right. They're just saying he's cranky. Yes. Yeah. And it's okay for me to be cranky. On Absolutely. Twitter. Okay. Well, I think I've been less so lately. I don't know. Maybe other people can tell me. So moving on, uh, I will, I'll go ahead and just dive right in and start talking about uh, political bias. Um, cause this will probably lead into a number of things. Oh, can I? Yeah, I just wanted to say real quick. About wa- political bias yes. or other things? Yes. Okay. I watched a movie last night, um, a documentary called Payback. Uh, it has nothing to do with the... Um, Was it about the making of the movie Payback? No. Uh, it's a documentary based on a nonfiction book called uh, Payback, something debt and the shadow side of wealth or something. And it, it explores the idea of debt not just financial debt but the idea that is present in all cultures at all times of like debt to society and mm. that there's some sort of there's some sort of natural balance of things that people are always out of whack on yeah. and always working toward and it's really interesting but there are um times that um the movie and i'm assuming the the source book um gets tips over into um, sort of strident anti-corporate sentiment. Okay. And what I wanted to say about bias is that I'm not any less liberal because of your influence, mm-hmm. but what I am is more aware of liberal bullshit okay. because of your influence. Okay. So I was watching this last night, and I was like, uh, you know, I was like, at the fundamental, I agree with the sentiment here, but yeah. the filmmaker is just... And the writer of the book is just really being preachy and shrill about this, uh, and so it, it, it turned me off. And I, I will end. I have to. I have to review, write a home video review of this, and I will end up giving it a less than positive review because of the lingering feelings. There's. A, I, I don't remember the name of of the movie, but I watched that documentary about George McGovern. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Okay, it's. It's interesting insofar as, like, George McGovern is an interesting, uh, somewhat, uh, 
Don Quixote type character, uh-huh. and then like okay, Quixotic. Well, that's Quixotic. Okay, I never know like how hard to hit the X, but I um, think obviously if you're talking about the chaotic, character, yeah, yeah. If you're talking too, about the character, it's Quixote. If you're talking about the adjective, quick, Quixotic. It's Quixotic. There's okay. no uh, yeah. It's completely American or Englishized. Kind English-ized? of a, kind of appropriate that the Quick Star did not last. The what? Quick Star wasn't. Uh, what is Quick Star? Was it was it Quickstar or Quickster? What was the like when Netflix was going to cleave oh, I in think half? It was Quickster, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was a quixotic uh, yeah. endeavor. So, um, <laughs> all right, I have not let you talk at all. Okay, that's fine. Um, but uh, and I'm glad anyway. But uh, that George Montgomery thing, like, I had to like hack through the oh my gosh, just the insane pompous tone of the documentary and the people they specifically choose to talk to in order to discuss figure out like george mcgovern's a really interesting sensitive intelligent politician it's a shame he he wasn't elected mm-hmm. i have to fight through just this christ-like figure they that these people make him out to be but that's neither here nor there so okay so political bias uh listeners know that i'm more conservative than i used to be and you know whatever it's fine um, it might not be fine to you. I, I really don't care anymore. Uh, I've, I've probably hidden a good portion of you on Facebook now. Um, <laughs> not because you disagree, but the way in which you disagree. That's, that's usually the thing that gets me. But, um, but the thing is, uh, there are movies that I... Okay. There's a movie coming out this fall called Won't Back Down. Okay. Do you know what it is? Uh, it's got Maggie Gyllenhaal and Viola Davis, Davis. Yeah. in it. Yeah. That's all I know. And Bill Nunn. I always like Bill Nunn. Um, and Holly Hunter's in it as well. Oh. Yeah. Pretty good cast. Yeah. Uh, and so, but it's all about like these two women who are, they don't have any money. They, and they are like raising kids by themselves in the inner city. And they're sending their kids to a pretty terrible public school. Um, and any, and, Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, son like can't read or uh, daughter can't read, and so uh, so they're like you know maybe what can we do to make this school better? And so when they decide they want to be, take a more active role in that school, they run up against like the bureaucracy of the public school system. And regardless of what you might think about like you know teachers unions or whatever, um, whether you're uh, Al Gore or Chris Christie, uh, you know it's. <laughs> But it's a it's a it's a movie that like takes a very clear like whatever you got to do for the kids is what you get like it takes a very clear political position specifically on like charter schools and school choice and that kind of thing, um, and I agree with mm, I'd say probably most of what the movie's politics are probably, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not sure if I'm in favor of like abandoning public school altogether. I went to a public school and I got what I think is a pretty good education. I do lack almost a. a any work ethic. So there is that. <laughs> but, um, so, so I probably am not totally in line with the film, but I found myself in a way that makes me somewhat ashamed. I found myself watching the trailer and it's a well put together trailer. And of course with a cast like that, it's like, well, you could do a lot worse, but I found myself being like, all right, somebody's, you know, somebody's finally like making a, like an inspirational movie about like fighting like a, a, a government bureaucracy like no one would ever make this not in liberal like i i had all of those thoughts Uh and i even thought like i should go see this movie and 
I might still go see the movie for other for other reasons. But I had that that little twinge that like I think conservatives and Christians get, and I would venture to say that like women get because there's not a lot of movies made for women, and I would say oh, African Americans right. get because there's not a lot of movies made for African Americans. Really, any any kind of group that uh, that isn't like white white straight men white white straight Anglo Saxon young. Like anyone right, below right. thirty-five, probably like anybody that doesn't fall into that group and is like not specifically religious, right? Maybe vaguely religious enough that like okay, we'll show a character's religious by just having them wear a crucifix. We're not going to say anything though. Um, so, so I had that twinge that you get of like, oh, a movie for me, and then and I had it long enough that when it eventually when I eventually was like, hey, hey. Just because the movie's tackling this concept doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Like, and then I was like, you're right, sir. I'm sorry. But, but it happened long enough that I was just like, oh, I don't know. I, am I becoming this? Like, uh, you know, I, I've long since been upset with like a conser- the, like conservative though I may be, I, I am often quite angry at the way conservatives approach art. Um, it, which is say if it makes them slightly uncomfortable, they they will. Not all of them, of course. You mean but they will defund the NEA? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Crucifix and, and, and urine. PBS. That's yeah. the one thing. And so, um, but I, but I found myself thinking like, oh shoot, I might. I hope I don't become this, because <laughs> I guarantee if I was ten years older, and a bit, and maybe a bit more set in my ways, and I saw that, mm-hmm. I might be like. Damn right, I'm gonna see that. Now I might I might justify it by saying like, hey, Maggie Gyllenhaal is a good actress. Viola Davis is a great actress. Holly Hunter's in it. Like, it's a it's a female driven film, which is kind of rare. And so it's just like like I could probably talk a good game about all of those elements, but ultimately I feel like underneath I'd be going to see it because it was telling me I was right. See, I think, uh, and I don't mean to say this to pat myself on the back, but I think I have a sort of like not wanting to be a joiner thing to the point where if something is not okay i am for the most part that guy that you talked about who's under 35 straight white male like most things are yeah you fit all the demos yeah but i am an atheist yeah and so uh you would think there's a part of me that sees like oh religious that's something that i should definitely see but because i have this thing this like contrarianism not not wanting to be a joiner thing the fact that it seems to be for me makes me immediately more skeptical of it yeah and that's it's a good instinct to have regardless of what your political affiliations are just to be like because ultimately it might again it's just a trailer trailers are by their very nature supposed to pander to you Mm -hmm. and so maybe the film isn't but there's always the possibility that that the trailer is counting on you thinking that yeah we had when um I can't remember what we can say uh, on on the podcast because it's been so long since he was on. But uh, we had Stephen Reedy on, yeah, um, and we we got to have him back. He's he's like he's things, a great guy, and, th- and things are going well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely some stuff to talk about with him. But um, he was talking about working on cutting trailers, and I, yeah. I won't mention the movie or the company or anything. But he was talking about a movie. Oh yeah, because we were talking about this off mic, right? Yes, yes. yes. Okay, he was talking about a movie that he worked on that. Uh, you have all known. You all know. Most of you have see, probably seen that has uh, you know white leads, white male leads, 
uh, and then it has in not even the main group of characters in a subset group of characters yeah. there's a black guy and yeah. he says he was telling us and also there's I think uh, there's his, a, a Hispanic, Hispanic guy, guy yeah. and there are versions of the trailer out there that almost give you the impression the movie is about one of those characters because it's for yeah. it's for that audience the trailer is for that audience not unlike when somebody who goes on to be a big star uh, is in like a little scene film and then they will repackage it for the DVD release to mm-hmm. make it look like this person who's in it for about 20 minutes is the lead. Right. Uh, however, when you play t- when you're trying to do it to uh, market to a certain race, yeah. maybe it's much worse yeah. and maybe immoral. But um, yeah, and so like, so that's the thing is, is I'm not saying, so this is an instance where the movie's not even out yet so you know i'll wait and see the see the reviews but i i saw in myself very briefly like oh oh no i don't like that and immediately i became a little bit less judgmental of uh of people that do scamper out and and see anything that they feel like is for them um if you you know if you feel like you are a neglected uh audience then you know you want to at least convey that uh, something should you know my my problem is th- with with that, and, and this is what leads to me not wanting to be a joiner, is the idea that no single idea is simple, and so the idea of finding even another person, let alone an entire movie, right. that completely represents the way you feel about something, is it seems almost impossible to me. So I'm not gonna go. It's why you know I'm not gonna go. Um, to most like rallies or protests, you know, because they become these huge things that are encompassing all these ideas, and all of a sudden there's uh, this guy over here who's saying that you know we shouldn't be allowed to have cats as pets when oh, no. when you know because that's animal cruelty. When I'm trying to you know uh, like uh, you know protest or I'm trying to you know keep Planned Parenthood in business mm-hmm. or something that I actually believe in. Uh, and, and and so uh, you know a movie. I guess I just don't like the the big tent uh, approach to anything. And it's why I, I when I you know I used to be a registered Democrat, and when I moved, I changed my registration and I registered independent because I can't, uh, in good conscience, align myself with any one party. I, I I I mean I know it's impractical, but ideally, to me, we would not even have parties. We would just have candidates yeah and you would and and they, and they would uh make their case and you would find the one that you agree with or or disagree with the least i'd say is probably the best way to go about it yeah and uh you, you vote for that person it's gonna be this year and i know that's um uh well i mean you i don't know you gotta be I know, this paul ryan guy seems like he's <laughs> what yeah, i mean I, I don't know are you are you trying to like anger the listener no, maybe or? i'm not I, I i no i okay yeah we don't have we don't have time we don't have that. the time or the format or the right to or discuss the, or the inclination yeah to just well i i am inclined to discuss paul ryan because, oh i'll talk about him all day long but i don't want to get angry emails oh okay well i'll get uh i never mind yeah I, we can move on yeah okay liberals shouldn't be so cocky about things like <laughs> Democrats should maybe realize they're a little bit closer to on the ropes than they think they are right now. I think when that debate happens, they'll lose a lot of their cockiness. Good. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Not to impl- it, see, it sounds bad coming from me. 
No, I feel it doesn't. Like, I feel it like doesn't. a jerk saying it. No. I feel cocky, whereas you are, uh, you know, you're cautioning. Well, I think there was a time early, like in the primaries, and even after Romney sort of the nomination, that my feeling was that 2012 was going to be to the Republicans what 2004 was to the Democrats, where you've got an incumbent who should be beatable, and you can't seem to find the guy to beat him. I don't quite feel that way anymore. I think that uh, the I think the GOP and, and Romney Ryan has a lot of steam under them and has a little bit of momentum. And these jobs numbers are not getting better at a rate that's going to do Obama any good. Uh, and Biden's making some gaffes. Some <laughs> right. big. I, I don't even care much about gaffes. Hey, people misspeak. I get it. But man, but I think rough. those kind of oh. things, be it you know, um, be it. Biden saying that um, uh, this guy wants to have you back in chains or Romney. Have y'all back in chains. <laughs> y'all back in chains because that's the way he talks in Delaware. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, what a prick. Um, or, 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 you know, uh, Romney saying, you know, some of my best friends are NASCAR team owners or whatever. I think those things actually uh, don't have as much of an effect as people think they do in the moment. I think they tend to, those things tend to go away pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's the, the, the bigger idea. You know, as much as people uh, obsess over um, things that are inconsequential and I'd say our previous president got elected by uh, focusing on things that were inconsequential, um, I think at, at, at the end, people do vote on bigger ideas and bigger issues. And as much as I um, have disliked Romney for not uh, appearing to have any real convictions and for, you know, being campaigning so differently than the way he governed Massachusetts, the choice of Paul Ryan, as much as I as often as I, to the extent to which I disagree with him, I mean, mm-hmm. cannot be measured. I disagree with him on almost every, every, um, every issue, but it's still about the issues. It is about, it's not the Sarah Palin. It choice. changes the nature of the conversation. Yes, to something it, more policy driven. Yes. It, it is yes. showing that, that the GOP and that Romney in particular is interested in campaigning on ideas and policies and issues. And, um, yeah, as someone who doesn't, who would rather not have a Republican president, I'm a little scared, but I still, I will take Romney Ryan any day over uh, George W. Bush. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, I'll say this real quick, and then we can move on to uh, some, one of the few uh, conservative uh, ideas that you are totally on board with, as far as I know, which is uh, gun control. Oh, okay. Uh, well, or, or, la- or again, gun rights. I'm not totally on board with anything. I, I'm not totally on board with them either. On we'll that. get that. That, we'll get there in a moment. Yeah. I, I will say that just in general, in the last few days, I've watched uh, some speeches in which Romney and Ryan appear together. Ryan is making Romney a better candidate, a better speaker, and mm-hmm. way more positive. So good for him. That's the impression I'm getting. I don't actually watch. I can't stand to watch any news or anything I, I read because I, mm. uh, I, I get annoyed by commentators. Um, if I'm reading, I can just skip a paragraph if I'm annoyed by it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I guess yeah. I I guess I'd say that's bad, but I hide uh, I hide I hide people on Facebook that say things yeah. I don't. Uh, All right, let's I talk about like. guns. Are you going to talk about Dave Mustaine from Megadeth? <laughs> no, uh, I don't but know I how you thought this yesterday. episode wasn't going to get political. But like, uh, what I was going Dave uh, Mustaine, uh, oh, brother, come on, man! Like, you know, he and I might well probably not but like he and i might actually agree on some political principles but uh buddy you're not helping okay <laughs> you are only hurting you know what you're hurting people like if aliens 
see us <laughs> and they see you, they're going to kill us all. Dave Mustaine, for those, well, movie fans might know him as the only guy in Metallica, some, like a, some kind of monster who was, came, came off as more pathetic than the guys in Metallica. <laughs> but now you might know him. Oh, no, you know, maybe they're therapists. Have you seen some kind of monster? No, I haven't. Oh, you'd love it. You've got to watch it. It's long, but it is, uh, it, it, it is, I, I want to describe it as a train wreck, but not that the movie is bad. The movie is great, mm. but it's just. It's documenting a, documenting a train wreck. Yeah, but p- people who are in a long, drawn-out train wreck who don't know that they're, that it's a train wreck at all. Sounds like fun. Uh, anyway, um, he's gone from that to being a guy who, in Singapore this week, uh, if you haven't been following, um, it, as part of his jaunty between-song banter, um, uh, accused President Obama of staging things like the Aurora shooting and the uh, uh, w- uh, Wisconsin uh, Sikh temple shooting in order to uh, pass through hard, uh, stricter gun legislation. <laughs> Here's what I like. I like that a conservative looked at all the crazy theories about the government being behind 9-11 and said like, I'll see your crazy theory, <laughs> and I'll raise you one. So, okay. Okay, let's talk about guns. Well, what I, I know it sounds like I'm probably going to bring up Bowling for Columbine, and I guess we could talk about that. But oddly enough, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring, uh, bring up uh, Runaway Jury. Okay. Did you ever see Runaway Jury? Yeah, I remember thinking it was fun, but I... Okay. Here's the thing. I don't have a great memory... I, I the movie was meant to be forgotten. It's fine. But we've, we've talked about wanted, uh, how we should do an episode on this. Like, I don't even have a great memory for movies that I like. I don't have a great movie memory, and I don't think that makes me a bad cineast. I don't think so. But I, mean, I, I, I remember how movies make me feel. I remember the specifics, but there are things that I tend to forget. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I don't think a movie is meant to be remembered, like, all the way through. I, if there are three moments... A f- like a performance and a general tone that sticks with you, I think you got it. But uh, I, I, I will say that I remember less of Runaway Jury than I do with most movies, except that I thought it was perfectly pleasant and moved along nicely. Yeah, perfectly fine. It does yeah. everything it needs to do. There's a moment there. Is that an F. Gary Gray movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it might be? Um, oh, by the way, Andy Garcia is Cuban. Okay. Born in um, Havana. So, uh, so, yeah, the... Um, there's one little moment, and this this speaks to like me. I think you know my my political beliefs, like causing me to s- become maybe a bit more paranoid, uh, and maybe seeing things that aren't there, because there is you know uh, conservatives regularly talk about there being like a liberal bias, like in the media and in film, and I would say that's probably true, but um, I'm not sure if it's quite as insidious as they make it sound. But uh, but there's a moment so. So you do know that in um, in the book Runaway Jury, it, they are going against, I believe, tobacco companies. Oh, okay. In the movie, they made it gun companies, and there's a and there's a and I don't and and of course, not only are the gun company executives evil, the lawyers that represent them are evil and corrupt and are going to do anything to win. There's one person that we see supporting the gun companies uh-huh. okay and it's at the end when spoilers for the john grisham movie everybody our heroes win <laughs> um but uh the gun company loses the, the the trial 
at which point you see everybody in the courtroom cheer because they're all there uh, to be against the gun company, of course, except one guy. And if you're look, if you're not looking, you'll miss it. But it's there. A guy. Everyone. Everyone is sitting and cheering, and then one guy stands up, and he goes, "That is bullshit." Uh-huh. Here's how the guy is dressed. Wait, did, does he say it with a southern accent? First off, I don't think so. At least not as far as his audio. Uh-huh. Visually, he has a southern accent <laughs> because he's dre- he's got a long beard and like a leather. Je- he's a biker. Mm-hmm. You know, bikers, the ones that ruined uh, that Rolling Stones concert. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like the the uh, the antiheroes of uh, Sons of Anarchy, who show that they are literally just willing to kill anybody they need to. Like, I have no positive association with bikers, <laughs> and and I'm sure most people don't. I think people see them as like redneck and backwards and violent and, and they don't care about responsibility. And so it's worth noting uh-huh. that as everyone is cheering, Hey, the gun companies, they're the, the lone voice that is not, that is not them. The one person who will stand on principle is this biker who's like, Oh, it's going to be harder for me to get guns to kill people now. Yeah. Like it's, and that's the thing is, so, Yes, I, my own personal bias caused me to see that where I because I had seen it before, and I didn't remember that. And then I saw it this time. I'm like, oh come on, uh-huh. that's just silly now. Because there there are some I know some people. I'm sitting next to one of them uh-huh. who is uh, for gun rights uh, by and large. Not yeah, completely. I, mean, I, I would say I'm definitely there are definitely more restrictions um, that I'm okay with than the NRA is okay with. But I still think um, this is going to make me sound like a loon. It's going to make me sound like a complete lunatic. I've heard it before, and it will make you sound crazy. <laughs> but the the thing is, uh, our, our country, America, the greatest civil experiment in the history of the world, uh, was born in blood. Uh, you know, it um, came to a point where in order for this thing to be formed... It had to be done violently. Um, and I don't think that's a choice that anyone should enter into lightly. And I think we should, uh, you know, I'm, I was with the Democrats, you know, uh, in, you know, saying we should uh, talk to Iran or we should talk to Iraq, talk to, talk to Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. We should diplomacy first, always. But you have to have a last resort. Got to have that big stick. Yes, because right now, you know, things are not great in our country. Um, there are a lot of problems and a lot of our freedoms have been compromised in ways that we've willingly uh, allowed them to be. Um, but there are still ways to get that back through it w- by working within the system. Now, David, are you saying you want your country back? No, I'm not saying that. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, this is our country. You know, it's not just the way I feel. It's the way everyone feels. And it it happens through the process. But eventually it could happen. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, one of the biggest disappointments to me about uh, President Obama is that he has not uh, scaled back the overreaching of the executive branch that was um, that that George W. Bush put in place. And was one of the big things that I disliked about him. You know, the. 
and and you know the more power someone you know, these people get over us when we're, they're supposed to be working for us the more dire things become so yes we should always be fighting to fix things within the system to get things using democracy to where we want them but there could be could be a day when things are so bad that the government is our enemy and at that point i don't want the only people with guns to be the people who work for the government the police and the military if, if that's if, when we're going to be like please mr biker <laughs> yes help exactly me. i mean if you if you don't have you know i feel like in in some ways the right to bear arms is not just a freedom it almost like is at the root of freedom because it's the last resort it comes down to you uh being able to defend yourself when everything else falls away to be self-reliant i know this makes me sound like a this is a very conservative point of view but to be self-reliant that is the root of freedom to to not have freedom means not having to depend Mm -hmm. uh on on other things and you know if we put all our trust in, in you know, uh, I- I- as far as our safety and our well-being and our protection into the hands of the police and the military, then that means that they have a power over us that we might not be able to get back if things ever get that bad generations from now. David, you have fallen into my trap. Uh, it's not a trap. Okay. But you have, you have made this transition very easy for me because I was going to bring up I did not know you were going to go this far, and my mind immediately jumped to this. There's a movie that you love that no, nobody oh, else yeah. does. Yeah. It, nobody hate. I don't think anybody hates it, but people d- no, never gave it a second look. I you call, love it. I called it back in 2010. I think I called it one of the five best action films of the last five years. Yeah. And you, that's the thing. You see stuff in it that nobody sees. Uh-huh. And it's probably because of this attitude. Did yeah. you say that's about right? Yes. The movie is, of course... Shooter. Shooter. Yeah, it has, it has shooting in the title. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, real quick, the story of that is a guy who basically his own government is is after him and is and is corrupt. And, yeah, he's set up to be uh, framed um, by the government to uh, a, as a, an attempted assassin of the president and um he was trained by the government to be uh a great marksman Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's why he was set up because they the shot was taken from over a mile away or something like that and uh he uses his skills as a great marksman to kill his way back to uh uh to his own freedom and and personal liberty and, 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 and do you think that yeah. maybe do you think that maybe it is like what you just put out there, like something that you believe? And as long as I've known you, you've believed that. Uh-huh. Um, do you think it is that that has informed you? Like, because I, I I think I am safe in saying that no one has ever given Shooter the amount of <laughs> praise that you have given it. Possibly not. Yeah, yeah. It has a line where the senator says, <laughs> "Mark Wahlberg's got." a gun in the senator's face and he says you can't shoot me i'm a u.s senator and he says exactly and then he shoots him in the face <laughs> it's ridiculous but um yeah you can't uh, i don't think you're not gonna be able but to convince the, me that i'm reading into but that's that. the theme that you're talking about right there is is like i am untouchable right which is which will speak volumes if i suddenly touch you <laughs> right with a bullet in the face yeah yeah so so uh yeah I, this uh, i guess this episode definitely uh 
took a turn that I didn't expect. But uh, I like getting this stuff out there. Anything else you want to talk about? Because I want to wrap up pretty soon. Uh, I, I sh- I've got a couple of things. Okay. Um, okay, so Religious, obviously. Uh, I, I, I still haven't seen it. Don't Good care to. Okay, I think it's a bad movie. Okay, I think it's a bad documentary. I think ultimately, okay. Do you remember, um, I feel like I talk about Tom Sharpling, the best show, a lot on here. but Once a month, probably. Um, Religious and An American Carol came out the same weekend and Tom Sharpling's sort of jokey theory was that it would bring the country together because the liberals who were trying to distance themselves from Bill Maher and the conservatives who were trying to distance themselves from American Carol might meet in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad theory. And that's the thing is, you know what? No matter how conservative I get, I, with no expectation of it being good, because I'd only heard terrible things about Uh American Carol, and I thought, like, how bad could it be? I mean, it's got good people in it. Yeah. I got like 10 minutes in and I was just like, this is atrocious. <laughs> this is awful. And you know what? Click. Yeah. And I just, it's like, I don't, there's no rule. I have to see this. <laughs> um, even if I'm watching it to see how bad it is, it was so bad. I couldn't finish it. That's what I can say. But, um, no, I think religious is a very bad documentary. Okay. Uh, documentaries are not without, there's no rule that says they should be without an opinion. Um, but the problem is that like, this is a, it's a film that talks about doubt and skepticism, which are not, by the way, I'm, those are not bad things to have. Like that is not, those are not bad attributes. Like, you know, you should, I think you should doubt what you believe all the time. At the very least, you will then fight against those doubts and come out believing it stronger and have, and be more informed about your own opinion and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, so I'm not, I'm not against it at all. Um, but the problem is that like, it's, it's made kind of with that Michael Moore attitude of like, like, well, Hey, it's a comedy, so we can kind of take this tone. It's like, can you, uh-huh. I don't think you can. Um, and so, uh, but at the end, at the very end, when, uh, Bill Maher has a, uh, a monologue about, uh, the arrogance of people who think they absolutely know what it should be. Uh, you know what things are and he uh, has a very long monologue about how that definitely isn't how it should be and not being arrogant at all in that uh, <laughs> in that monologue um, I hope you're catching the sarcasm in my voice everybody um, but at the core of the monologue you're, the sarcasm was as easy to detect as the arrogance in everything Bill Maher's abs- ever said abs- <laughs> absolutely um, he's always he always seems to be peering over a pair of glasses that he's not wearing have you ever noticed that? <laughs> yeah. Like he'll say he'll say like a he'll say a joke and then he'll give you this look in which he tilts his head down yeah. and then kind of looks up at you. But, you but he's not wearing glasses. It's like like I guess uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, infl- inflammable, uh, inflammatory. Yeah, there you go. Inflammatory as, as he as he can be. His delivery system of jokes is so old school. It's a little Henny Youngman, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind. He's a you know what sometimes he's funny i'll definitely say that like i remember it's just little things like uh he was talking about uh false false equivalency and like uh certain types of people that are called terrorists and other types and or extremists he's and he talked about you know like muslim extremists like al-qaeda and taliban and the taliban and stuff like that and he goes he's like here's the thing and people like well christians christians have radicals too it's like yeah but ours are just funny (laughs) 
<laughs> ours like identify the gay Teletubby and stuff. Like I found that funny. And then he talked about, uh, about, uh, Saddam Hussein. And he's like, he goes, look, I'm, he's like, he goes, we were attacked by, uh, Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda and all that. And, and then we decided to go after Iraq and look, I'm happy Saddam Hussein is gone, but the Joker is not the Riddler. <laughs> and, uh, I guess not merely because he said the word Riddler in a joke. I, I enjoy that joke, but that's neither here nor there. So in the midst of this monologue that he says at the end, he says, anyone who tells you they know, they just know what happens when you die. I promise you, you don't. How can I be so sure? Because I don't know. And you do not possess mental powers that I do not. That's science guys. That's science <laughs> right there. Bill Maher knows cause he doesn't know. And it's one of those things where it's just like, there's no skepticism in that phrase. Yeah. There's no doubt in that phrase. Plenty of people possess mental powers that Bill Maher doesn't. Sure. I might. I think you absolutely do. <laughs> the power to see in Shooter what no one can. <laughs> Possibly even the, main, the men that made it. But, um, but it's, it's stuff like that where it's just... Here's the thing. The more I think about it, I might never have liked Religious. It could be the, the, the best made documentary ever. It could have dropped the comedic tone. Bill Maher could have taken an executive producer position and did not put out any, of his, any commentary from himself on camera. He could have, put, he could have made this a wonderful, obje- as objective as possible, documentary. It's possible. It's entirely possible I still wouldn't have liked it because it's saying stuff that I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, but what I... So that's, that's something I have to admit to myself. While I can absolutely tear into it as a documentary, I have to acknowledge it's possible I would never have liked this. It would never have told. It would never have pleased me as as other documentaries do. But the but the fact that I that I uh, that I went in skeptical of the film that was championing skepticism meant that I was able to see through the like the flawed logic and the faulty theories that he puts forth uh, himself. And so my bias helped me. Here's the thing. In this case, my bias helped me to see that this was a bad movie. But if I'm being honest with myself, if it were a good movie, my bias probably would have kept me from liking it too. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's unfortunate Um, on my own part. All right. Are we done with politics? We're done with politics. Let me say this because I've like, spoken up for paul ryan and spoken about gun rights so i want to just lay yeah, out who are you come on now. my liberal bona fides just for, so, so everyone knows i am for full and equal you're rights. not one of those crazies is for, for full and equal rights for for gay people i am for universal health care i am for uh increased taxes for the wealthy uh what are some other big liberal things that i'm for Pu- uh greater funding of public schools of the National Endowment for the Arts, of PBS, uh, all these things I, I, I am for. And maybe some reduced defense spending. That's another one that I don't think I'm quite as much uh, in the liberal camp on. Should I say but, what I'm for? Because um, I'll get more letters than you. <laughs> I, or I, more emails. I might get some letters for my like Michigan militia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> David manifesto. has been building a shack. Uh, up in the uh, up in the up in La Cañada, but uh, I don't know. I feel hills. like you've represented. If you want to say what you're for, you should. But I feel like I don't you've think I necessarily. Yourself. I don't think I necessarily have to. But my concern is like 
if we do have conservative listeners, and, and thankfully we have one less than we used to because uh, he gave us a lot of crap and I told him to stop listening. But um, <laughs> I wasn't liberal enough for him. Sorry, everybody. But, Is this uh, the guy who wrote us about death panels? I, sh- I showed you that email. We've talked about it before. Really? Yeah. I feel like I don't remember that. <laughs> I feel like I would remember that. Uh, no, this is, the, this is that other guy that, uh, you know, okay. the guy, one I'm talking yes, about. Yes. So, um, anyway, uh, I, just, I just don't want anyone to think that, like, I'm copping out. It's really just, like, I, I believe in a sustainable government and constant spending is not the way to do that. Like, in any other situation, whether it be your family your business and speaking to somebody that is married and has to like work out a budget with my wife, but also my wife has her own business. I'm able to see that like it, like you can't just keep raising your prices because sooner or later you will lose customers because you've raised your prices. Like sooner or later you need to look at the spending side, you know, Jen. uh, And so like, that's, well, here's a, here's a somewhat conservative, opinion that i have that is although not a republican opinion more of a libertarian one is stop fighting the war on drugs just yeah that's that's a huge expenditure that we i think you'd like gary johnson he's uh he was the former governor i do like gary johnson former governor of new New mexico treated disgracefully in the primary did you read the gq article like the back when he was still in the primaries but was getting like theory getting shut out of the like debates and stuff in like in like two debates he's He's just a fun guy. Like he yeah. was like, and a nice like the the reporter who wrote this GQ piece on him almost like described him as like embarrassed about the fact that he was running for president. Like didn't want to make a big show out of it, yeah. you know. And, and part he, of me is like, well, if you take that attitude, you're yeah. not going to win. Yeah, yeah. You need to really believe in but yourself. But he's like into bicycling, and so he, he kept he would like kept steering the conversation back to bicycles. Yeah. There's uh, another it guy. Was an awesome. There's another guy. I think you'd like, even if you don't agree with him. His name's Thaddeus McCotter. He's a former. Uh, uh, Michigan uh, congressman, but uh, he has maybe the best sense of humor in all of government. Very dry. That's good. That's neither here nor there. So what I wanted to talk about real quick was, and I talked about this a little bit with Hugo. There is the bias that you and I bring to movies as moviegoers and as movie lovers. And with Hugo, I've said before that I think it's a, it's, it's a movie that panders in the way that some of the movies we're talking about panders to a certain group. I think Hugo, I don't think it panders because I don't think it's as cynical as all that. But it celebrates, it celebrates appreciation of film by somebody who appreciates film, Martin Scorsese. But in doing so, he is so, he's so biased towards the story he's telling that he forgets to tell it well. And, and then, but then people who love film and love George Melier and they get all the references and stuff. They see the movie and they are biased and they're predisposed to liking the material as well. And so they'll, they'll overlook the huge storytelling, uh, problems. And so chief among the Macar- uh, lead character, the, the titular character that I don't care about and feel like is a total stranger to me. Uh-huh. But, um, and so like, that sounds Sounds like you feel about it, Hugo the way I feel about the Passion of the Christ, in that it kind of assumes its audience already feels a certain way about its subject and doesn't go to any length to and I am convince to- them. I'm totally with you on that. Like I watch that movie, it's like I'm a Christian. <laughs> I like okay. I'll use the I'll use the terms. 
I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I felt like I was watching a stranger. Okay. And so like, it's one of those things like it it does, it it would be like a great last act of a nine hour movie (laughs) in which you see his birth and, and his life. Unfortunately, the, the first two acts aren't there. Uh-huh. And so I just like, oh, this poor guy. I can tell that, you know, I don't think he deserves this. And that's as far as I go. An innocent man being horribly tortured. Whereas Last Temptation of Christ, which apparently I am not supposed to like, I find incredibly wonderful and, uh, and uh, meaningful. But, uh, Do you know, I, I think this is sort of, this is staying on topic. Okay. Um, do, do you know a lot of Christians who have, uh, uh, who have seen Last Temptation of Christ and still feel negatively toward it. Yes. Okay. Uh, for you know, my my friends and I have a weekly movie night, mm-hmm. and uh, a few. And this was a, probably a couple of years ago when we had it in a in a house uh, that had a very large living room. And, you know, we could we could branch out and invite a lot of people, and uh-huh. so we put out to our friends like, "Hey, we're going to watch Last Temptation of Christ. Uh-huh. If anybody hasn't seen it, come along because you should probably see it." So we see it, and uh, much to my surprise, because I, I, you know, that's me as that's you know my own tunnel vision is it had such an impact on me, not merely as a moviegoer but as a Christian, that I assumed it would have that for anybody my age mm-hmm. and and some and people that appreciate movies. Man, not so. Wow. There are people who uh, people they, I know. I'm not no. sure if I go so far as say you know them. I think okay. you've met one no. or two of them, but uh, but yeah, and so like, and they were they were very very negative about it from a from a purely spiritual point of view, um, and I was just and it, I was I was flabbergasted because like I don't see that at all. I, I don't think they said it was sacrilegious. I don't think or blasphem, blasphemous. I don't think they used those terms. I think they just didn't like the way Jesus was characterized, when in fact the way he was characterized is exactly what got me on board with the film. Yeah. yeah. But wait, wait, isn't it blasphemous? No, I don't think so. Okay. Blasphemous. It's like Jesus never actually in the movie sins. He never does anything. You know, it's, it's speculating what's happening inside of his mind in which there is a temptation, but temptation doesn't necessarily mean that you've committed the act. But isn't speculating about, isn't there some blasphemy just in speculating about what might have gone on in, in Jesus mind? Isn't, uh, uh, isn't the uh, the the Bible the beginning and end of it? I I don't. I'm just, I just you know what? Saying in a, I, I'm in not a, as up on a legalistic my, point of view. I'm not as up on my blasphemy as I used to be. <laughs> um, but in my, I've never heard it characterized like that. Okay. I don't see how anybody like, at the very least, like in in the Gospels, like there there are 18 years missing between mm-hmm. age 12 and 30. You're telling me it's wrong to speculate what happened in, the bet- in between those in those years, like how he arrived at where he was at age thirty. Like, not only is it not only in my view is it not blasphemous, but it's uh, kind of fun. But uh, have you seen um, the Gospel according to Saint Matthew? No, you've told me I, I love it. Yeah, that's is that Pasolini? Yeah, and that's yeah. An almost the opposite of the very the very humanistic view of Christ in Last Temptation of Christ in Gospel according to St. Matthew he's like he's so effectless as to almost be cold and it's almost just about what it's just about like what he says like he, he has no yeah. it stands to reason that he could come across that way yeah. if you just go by the stuff in there um, 
There was a uh, uh, who did I see? Shoot, I saw a tweet that made me laugh in which somebody said like, "It's like you know, Jesus turning water into wine is all well and good, but what about the ba- the guy who just wanted a nice jug of water?" Uh, yeah. Well, but, no, that David Cross has that. Is joke, that like where he's like? It's like Jesus. I've got my kids here with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was not David Cross. I, I don't think I follow him on Twitter. Um, I, By but, the way, I normally okay when we do the show, we are doing sort of our show voices. But I'd say for the past five minutes, you and I have just been having a conversation like we would anyway. I'd say that's about. Like, yeah, I was not. I was not fine. in show persona at all for that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring that out of you. It was uh, a, little, a little vulnerable. But I did want to bring out because that's the thing. So far, I've. I've talked a little bit about my own bias, uh, but then I've been talking about like other people's bias. I want to bring this background in the spirit of what I was saying with about Hugo. Mm-hmm. I'm kind, there. Okay, there are people that love Cabin in the Woods because I think they like the. I won't say gimmick because it's it's much more than a gimmick, but I think they like the story structure and I think they find it really interesting and novel. And that's because fine. it does do the thing. I mean, this is where you're going. Um, the idea of something, I guess telling you that you're right mm-hmm. you know i mean it does speak to people with uh a, a, an above average yeah, knowledge so. of the genre yeah it it's it's for them in such a like uh uh i guess i don't know what the word is i don't know <laughs> i was i was gonna be gr- crass and say filleting but it's oh, uh it is exuberantly for them. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, as I've said, like I, I view it in a, in a much broader sense. And I think that it's not even about horror specifically. And I think it, uh, deconstructs like the audience's role in what a movie is going to be. And like the, and like the audience's demand for formula and how furious they can get when they don't get what they want. And like, yeah. And that's the thing. See, as like, proof, the box office receipts for The Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I will be talking about it in October since it's a horror movie ostensibly. So, uh-huh. hey, Halloween, why not? I'll, I'll work it in. I'll be talking about it on More Than One Lesson in oh, October cool. uh, with the, uh, the film Funny Games oh. as the uh, companion film. That's awesome. So, um, I like your, that term, companion film, because I like the idea that the films are buddies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like Batman and Robin. And funny games is Robin. <laughs> and you know what I also don't like, or what I also do like, is that you don't, on the episode, say what the companion film is until you get to it. It's like a fun thing like that I try to like guess. Have you ever guessed right? Um, no, and there have been times I've known because you told me. Oh, okay. But I'm in the middle of the Rachel Getting Married episode right now, and, and you're almost about to say what it is. And, uh, and you don't know? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> you might have told me. You know what? Point, but I I'll say this. Way too on the nose. Okay. I didn't realize how on the nose it was until... We were in the episode. I was like, ah, shoot, I should have picked something else. Is it A Wedding by Robert Altman? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that on the nose. Um, but what I mean to say is, so Cabin in the Woods, I, of the people that I know, um, my, I'm in the minority on that. Um, I, I Really? Wait. Oh, in what? Everyone I know doesn't like it. Oh, okay. You know, uh, like. Oh, everyone I know loves it. Like, Fatum didn't like it. Dallas and Patrick, when we had them on, like, they didn't like it. You don't like it. Um, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, likes it. But I, I think some people appreciate its novelty, but they say that it's, like, deeply flawed. And, and I'm not even – and that's the thing. is like, I so love what it is trying to do and what it is trying to explore that I might be blinded to its structural flaws. And I've seen it twice. 
It has not just. It has some logical flaws. I mean, like. Oh, there's right. logical flaws. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm still just just in case going to steer clear of spoilers. But why would that place have a button that does that? <laughs> That's exactly. It's like, did they not foresee this? This being the only thing that could happen when you do this? Yeah. Like, there's no other reason for that button. No other reason for it. You know. Or just like, I don't know. It just like the button. It ha- there's a there's a word on the button, but it yeah. might as well just say like plot device or something <laughs> like that or script convenience but um and that's the thing is like is and and every every uh film lover like they'll see a movie that is not perfect but the things they like overpower the things they don't but i think because because it is so in my opinion thoroughly uh exploring a subject that movies often don't um and doing it in a way that i think dis- it disguises itself pretty well um, like I have such an appreciation for that, and and I I so enjoy the the comedy moments that um, that I really like it. But that's the thing is like this is this is one where like it's in my top ten right now. It'll probably fall out as the as the day goes on. We'll talk more about that next next episode. Mm-hmm. But um, as the year goes on, did I say the day? Yeah, you said the day, but I thought you okay. were just being sort of metaphorical. Oh, okay. But um, so it'll probably fall out. But at the same time, like, way, I've got a new entry in my top ten that I that? D- did not see coming until I saw it this week. Paranorman. Oh, Paranorman. Okay, yeah. It's so great. It's You're, so much you fun. made me want to see it. It's so much fun. But yeah, and so uh, so this is one. This is an example where I think there there's probably bias in me there, and I can't get rid of it because I love the movie. I, it's not it's not perfect. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of not perfect movies that I have loved. Yeah, such as the Avengers. Yeah, if we're sticking with Joss Whedon stuff. Absolutely, that's that's number one this year. <laughs> Still hanging in there. All right, I think we we went about a half hour longer than we needed to, okay. or than we had not, than we needed to, than we had intended to. Sorry. Still about an hour shorter than the last few episodes. So. Yeah. Um, no, but I think we did go as long as we needed to. I. Uh, and, yeah, I'm interested to see what people think of this episode. It, it definitely went places I didn't expect. It email to David and not me. All right, I really don't have the energy. <laughs> you can email me if you want. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I know I have plenty of energy to read your emails. Uh, it might t- <laughs> it might take me a while to respond to them. Yeah, that's true. Because I don't like giving short responses. You know, I tend to craft responses, and part of me is like, man, I wish I could just give this person my phone number. Talking is so much easier for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, maybe we won't get any emails. Maybe this is uh, all you know, fine and dandy. As you know, as we all know, like when you talk politics online, people are usually pretty kind of whatever about it. Like they yeah. don't uh, they don't care that much. Yeah, I'm okay. You're okay. Absolutely. That's yeah. the that's the tone of the internet. That's what it should be called. That's <laughs> j- the internet. I'm okay. You're okay. That's that's the slogan <laughs> for the internet. All right. Um, so. You can find us at battleshippretension.com where there's reviews such as my review of Cabin in the Woods or the Royal Tenenbaums or Tyler's review of Hugo or maybe some other reviews of other things that came up uh, today. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think I wrote a review of Hugo. You didn't? No. Oh. I don't remember who it was. Was it Scott? Because he loves it. Scott loves it. Of course he does. Um, (laughs) We got to get that guy on here. But, uh, oh, and then... um, I will say this because I want people to read it and I want people to see the movie where they can. Uh, the movie Compliance came out mm-hmm. this week and it's one of the best movies I've seen all year with some of the best performances. Okay, friend of the show, Pat Healy, is in the movie. He's great. I'm not, 
I'm not saying watch it as a favor to Pat Healy. You will love it. Uh, I'm sorry. You'll probably love it. Right. There are some it's, people who don't. It's, it's a hard movie to watch, but it is, it's worth your time. I, I really I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I had that same hang-up with um, recommending The Innkeepers, which I did write a review mm-hmm. of and I did love. I love The Innkeepers, but I had this feeling like, oh, That's not one you can think- guarantee. What's that? But I, no, I just felt like people are going to think I'm just being nice because Pat's oh, in it. Yeah. You know? Whereas I don't have that with Entrance because I loved Entrance before we became friends with Dallas and Patrick. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't going to love Entrance as a favor to Fatem who knew Dallas right, and Patrick. Yeah. So all right, um, this has gotten too insular. So um, Battleship Retention. There's reviews. You can listen to reviews uh, on the website or on the feed. Uh, if you subscribe to the podcast uh, in iTunes, hey, write us a review in iTunes. That'd be great. Sure. Um, or uh, y- you can always donate, but I want to hold off uh, a week. Stay tuned. Or a few days. Um, so that's that. You can email us uh, your uh, complaints or tirades uh, or polemics at uh, david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. And my other podcast is the weekly television review wrap-up show previously on and that's at previously on show.com sounded like you did not know how to describe your own shows like the tv wrap up uh, weekly episode i don't know i don't know because i've always said television review show which is what it was that's how it was designed initially but our format like as uh, the, our, our first segment like the longest segment of the show that the format of that has changed so drastically uh, over the in the two and a half years we've been doing it mm-hmm. that um uh, I don't know if I can even... I feel like maybe wrap-up is more accurate than review. We review in-depth one show a week at the end. Okay. Uh, we pick a big show every week. We review it at the, in the final segment. The, second, the middle sort of palate cleanser segment is just uh, our opinions on some news stories. That's usually pretty short. And the first segment used to be mini-reviews of, like you said, everything, everything we watched that saw, week. Yeah. Um, and it not only made, did it make the show too long, but it also discourage people who weren't as hardcore tv geeks as sean and i are so now the first segment is just sort of like if we saw a couple notable things in the week that we want to mention we won't spoil generally i mean if you're super sensitive to spoilers then you know maybe television isn't for you um, <laughs> but um you know uh it's generally now, now the first segment is more discussion based more kind of battleship pretension uh, and so I feel like wrap up is okay. more accurate than you review. could say a uh, television week in review. Yeah, something like that I think implies like you're going to do kind of a general uh, discussion. Well, rev- well, well, what it is is it's a look back at the last seven days of television, both on and off the screen. Huh? That's what we say. That's pretty catchy. You should say that. <laughs> That's what we say. Oh, okay. We say fair that a lot. All right. So, all right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening that weird sh- to that weird shop talk, and uh, uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.